We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 57 of the pod. We got plenty on tap for you today. It's going to be a great episode joined by Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. We're going to do one full hour on the LeBron versus MJ debate. We're going to finally get to the bottom of this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm kidding. We're not going to touch upon that. that (laughs) Uh, But no, we're going to we're going to do a whip around here as we usually do a little uh, a little increased mailbag section today. We got a couple interesting ones from you guys. Uh, Some mailbag questions, some uh, I don't know how you would how you would classify it. Some uh, consumer questions, some 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 consumer advice. Yeah. So we'll we'll get to those types of things. Uh, Weigh in on those. But uh, it's playoff time in the NHL and the NBA. And uh, we're starting to get down to the nitty-gritty here. We have uh, one side of the Stanley Cup final set with the Las Vegas Golden Knights becoming the first uh, expansion team in any of the four major leagues to make it to the championship round of their respective sport. Just outstanding and really unbelievable what they've been able to do, not only over this playoff stretch, but throughout the entire season. You lean on a goaltender like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's been there before, and this is where it gets you. Uh, Matt, what did you see from the Golden Knights in this uh, semifinal round, in, in the conference final round, that convinces you that they can hoist the Stanley Cup, regardless of who comes out of the East? They have more of a team of destiny taking advantage oh, of you're gonna type you know i am not like a, like a tebow like no, he's a he's no, a gamer no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> no i get what you're Any saying team is, i feel like especially in hockey more than there's a belief sport, there, there inside is, that there room there has to be that belief but like you also you can pinpoint a few moments throughout just about every run where this team has kind of like it seems more meant you know meant to be type moment like the hawks when they beat mm-hmm. nashville in 2010 that was that was a meant-to-be type moment when Hosts scored. It seems like every time I watch a Golden Knights game, it's close. They get some bad bounce or go their way. I think it was in, in game four, it was you know, they were tied late, and Winnipeg had all the pressure on them. Dustin Bufflin had a bad bounce, you know, go over his stick, and then Riley Smith was right there to scoop it up on an odd-man rush and scored on a shot that should have been saved. Um, in game mm-hmm. five, it was tied 1-1 late. And Ryan Reeves, of all people, who is a career fourth-line goon who doesn't do much more than fight, had one of the better slash luckier deflections to, for the for the go ahead game winning goal I, I've ever seen. So it's not that these these guys are putting themselves in position, but they're also they're taking advantage of it. I, I will say in the first two rounds they were the better team. I don't think they were better than Winnipeg that we we saw in those five games, with the exception of Game Five. I think they kind of took it to them. But this team believes in themselves. They're taking advantage of all their bounces, and oh yeah, they have just about the hottest player in, in the NHL right now, Mark Andre Fleury. He's absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. And I think all things considered, with no original six teams in it, no major market teams really uh, contending, I, I, I guess D.C. is your biggest market right now, but with no, for lack of a better term, NHL blue bloods left yeah. in it, I think this is ideal for the NHL yes. to have a team uh, that's new, that's trendy, that's Vegas. Everyone's either been to Vegas, has an idea of Vegas, knows what goes on, and they they can attach themselves to that to uh, watch well, a period. Well, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas, Joe. Yeah, okay, so man. Nobody but, uh, <laughs> but no, to, to just pick up the remote, flip over to the game, and, and watch maybe their first couple periods of hockey all season, Vegas, I, I think, is that sort of draw, especially in a Stanley Cup final round. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that is probably their dream scenario from the West after I think kind of all the, the blue blood types got have been out. And then also I think they'd like to see Alex Ovechkin make it so they can kind of have storylines a little bit on both sides. So you can have, you know, will Ovechkin get his first one or will we have this expansion team win it all? Um, yeah. I still think Ovechkin and the Capitals will, will find a way to not necessarily blow it, but I think Tampa will find a way to win it because that seems to be the overriding theme throughout you know, Washington's time since Ovechkin's been there, nothing necessarily against against him or anything, but I, I do think Tampa will find a way to win that. I think in pressure situations that Washington team has tended to fold and Tampa's still a really, really good hockey team. They have home, and then we'll see what happens there. But also there's the factor of there's a lot less pressure playing Game 7 on the road. 
over yeah, the season, really good on the road, and they can kind of just go out and play hockey instead of worrying about you know the fans and all that kind of stuff. I think that I think that the pressure narrative is kind of out the window after a game six performance like they had last night. Game seven set for the twenty third, depending on when you're listening to this. That's tomorrow, Wednesday, the twenty third. But uh, I really think that the way they showed up in a game six, if they were going to roll over, last night was the night to roll over at home in front of your crowd. That would have been the Washington Capitals that we know and See, love. I you don't know, that, think so. I disagree you don't think because so? I think last night they had just lost three in a row. They were coming off an absolutely heartbreaking loss in game four where they kind of came – or sorry, game five where they came back. They dominated the third period, probably should have got one, but you know, Vasilevsky stood tall and Tampa held on. No one could have really blamed them for rolling over in Game Six, mm. and there was no pressure to come out and win that game, so they came out and won it. And now, oh, I think there was all the, the I think there was all the pressure in the world I, to not lose to not lose four straight. I think, I think if two they of them in front of your home crowd, they, I, they, what happened last night, I think I think people expected them to do it and to expect them to lose, and I think that brought to them like. There's kind of no pressure on them. Like, so what? We go out and lose, and then that's just what everybody expected to happen after those last. I see. I don't, I don't think, think that. There was I don't think professionals. Pressure. I don't think professional athletes think in those terms, I don't though. Think I think thinking that, that way, but I think there's some. No, there can't be. There the can't Washington be. There Capitals. can't be that energy. There can't be that energy because if there was that energy, the series would be over already. All it takes is a little inkling of that energy in a room, and and you lose because the other team's not thinking that way. I think that. The way they played last night, they were the better team on the ice. They were fresher. They were skating harder. They controlled the puck. Everything they did suggested yeah, that the they the were a team. Was off their shoulders, right? Yeah, but they're not playing worried about free, the way loose. They're not worried about anything because they they're don't have worried. any expectations. You know, you know, hockey players, Matt. They're I worried do. about winning. They're they're worried about winning the next period. And if they can focus on winning the next period, Whether doing you it that way, it or what you like, what you say yeah. you're going to talk about being focused on. There is subconsciously, you no, know, like if you don't have that pressure on you, you do subconsciously as an athlete feel a little bit more free. Like if, if you go, uh, and do I don't it, know. I don't know how much these guys are tapping into their subconscious in Game Six of a conference thing, final. You don't, you don't I think they're trying to have. I think they're trying to have solid shifts and go out there and win a game. I, I don't think that guys are thinking in a negative mindset, especially when you've been in that position so many times before and you have fallen. You know that. So maybe maybe these are thoughts they have between games on an off day, but. Once you get out there and you lace them up, I think they're just trying to go out there and win a game. Maybe they're having those thoughts right now. You know, oh, we're going to win a game seven on the road. Pressure's all on them. There's no pressure on us. But the second that the puck drops, you're playing hockey again. I, I don't think that there's there are these big mental sways. The momentum moves throughout the game. And in a I'm second's just, time the, when you're talking about hockey. You've, we've seen patterns with teams like this in the past before. We've seen patterns that carry over from year to year to year and it seems like this is just somewhat of a pattern that these capitals teams or that you've seen bruce boudreaux's type i completely ducks in the wild have followed and it's not I, I don't know what it is but they if it was just a one-year thing i would be on your side but it's something we've seen these patterns with ov's teams before with these caps teams that they do kind of win the games that no one expects them to do then when people start to get a little bit up like oh maybe they're back maybe they're actually good again they're going to win then they t- tend to lay an egg. And I'm, I, I, See, I, I agree with you. My gut feeling, I'm, I, my gut feeling no. is Tampa's going to come out and play yeah. really well, and Washington is going to lose in somewhat heartbreaking fashion. I agree with I you. That, think that's what I happens. agree with you that there, that there has been a pattern, but I don't know. I guess my gut feeling is that this is the pattern breaker. And you know, if you're it, right, it I seems not it has a different it it has a different feel around this Caps team. The fact that they were able to pull themselves back up after losing three straight and win last night, I thought said a lot about the resilience of the team. And if they can capture a little bit of that and bring it to Tampa Bay with them, I think they have a good shot of winning in Game Seven. I, I think they have a good shot at winning Game Seven. I still wouldn't pick them because I think Tampa has a better shot. But I, I I do agree. After that Pittsburgh game, this team does seem to have a little bit different of a feel. Because obviously they, they slayed the dragon in Pittsburgh, but I guess I'm still waiting to buy in on it until I see what happens in Game Seven. And honestly, I'm just Caps Game Seven movies before. I'm honestly pulling for the Caps, just like you said too, because of the storyline of Ovechkin getting his first one. I mean, the way he played last night, he was hitting everything that moved. You could tell he he's completely invested, and it's not to say that he hasn't been in past been, years, but this year he, more than any other, he's been. I like he's disappeared sometimes in the past. Them uh-huh. losing or whatever, like them falling behind, falling behind the last three games, whatever, dropping three in a row, hasn't really been on 
him. He's actually yeah. been really good throughout the series for the most part, and I, I don't think he deserves any of the, the criticism for why they've kind of gotten back to this game seven point after jumping out to that 2 I think uh, I think Ovi versus the Knights would definitely grab some eyes. I don't. I think Tampa Bay would be the last thing that the NHL should want in this situation. See, um, I, but I, uh, I agree with you, and I'm going to get back. You got to think so though. Boxing. You're a pure hockey fan. Uh, well, no, you'd no, watch no, it. So, well, you'd watch it if Fenwick was playing Mount Carmel. In, well, that's in the... a, that's a great. Record. <laughs> um, I'm going to get back on my soapbox a little here. Tampa, even more so, I think, than Winnipeg, is a team that should have been that that should be marketed a lot more than they are they have a lot of young stars they have a guy who's probably going to win the mvp this year in nikita kucherov steven stamkos i'm sure is a name you've heard but he doesn't nearly get pumped up as much as he should of how good he is victor hedman is is probably going to win the norris trophy this year he's in the top three he's one of the better young guys in the game ryan mcdonough's a young american player yeah. who came over from the rangers the they're thing a is really though man team they're very fun they should be marketable they should be turned into a team that the at, the NHL puts up on their pedestal, but they don't. And they need they need to do a good job of that with their bigger market teams, with with their big name players. I do agree with that, but Matt, this isn't strictly an NHL issue. Think about That's Tampa fair. Bay as a as a sports city. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. Yeah, but the Bucks don't matter to the NFL. The Bucks wouldn't matter until a, a, a championship round. The Bucks don't matter to the yeah, playoffs. Like they have some of the biggest names. No, and but you're but yeah, you're reiterating you're reiterating my point in, in the fact that it doesn't matter what sport it is. The leagues want Boston. They want New York. They want Chicago. They want LA. They want DC. They want places where there's a lot of eyes. They want places where people are driven by sport where sport is the pulse of those towns where where it's an event where even if you're not a fan to be courtside at the lakers game even they if they've lost the 60 games teams then let's just yeah. eliminate half of them. well that's, you know i get I mean, what's your point and i'm not it's not hashing out at you but like my yeah. you get my frustration here is like this tampa team is incredibly fun to watch they are fantastic they're really really good and they're going to be really good for a long time and the NHL yeah. just kind of doesn't care because, oh, well, we put a franchise in Florida. so it's, uh, it's a bit out of sight, out of mind, regardless of the sport when you're talking about cities like Tampa Bay and other smaller markets where the teams are there, the talent's there. But, you know, the interest, it, it's still niche yeah. when it comes to especially hockey in Tampa Bay. So I think therein lies a problem, but uh, we shall see what comes out of the East. Uh, regardless of what happens here, just to double back a little bit, uh, Vegas is looking at $24.8 million in cap space in the off season, eight picks in the first two rounds over the next three years. So if the Golden Knights can hoist a cup or even not hoist a cup, the fact that they've won a conference final in their first year, they're in a good position to really establish themselves if they make some prudent decisions yeah, need in terms it. of building their roster over the next year. They got some, Two some years. guys who are going to be coming up here that they're going to have to worry about and they're going to have to pay. Um, yeah. But they're also not going to – they don't really have any guys who are going to be getting, you know, top dollar, like $10 million Taves, Kane type contracts either. You're going to see a lot of guys get paid, you know, five, six million here, I think, in the next year, year or two. But they, they do have a lot of, like you said, a lot of cap space to play around with that they're going to have to use prudently. They also have a lot of picks that I guarantee you they're not going to use all of those. Uh, that's a lot of trade capital that they have that I think a lot of teams might be interested in uh, exploring. Yeah, Mount Carmel, Fenwick, Kennedy Cup. Uh, is that is that matchup? I know you still still no, stay. You see, uh, Mount, Car Mount Carmel, I don't believe has a hockey team anymore. If they do, they're no. not good. Really? Yeah. Uh huh. That's surprising. Yeah, the, that's the, surprising. the Kennedy Cup uh, landscape. It's Saint Viator <laughs> is in it now. They're a Catholic Ew. League team. Bennett's in the Catholic League. Ew. Yeah, uh, Providence is, is always very good. They're not really much less of a Catholic League. But less it, it's ill. not. <laughs> it's not as much you know, like it used to be. Loyola's not in the Catholic League anymore. Um, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Hate, hate, to see, hate to see that happen, Matt. Yeah, but uh, complete non sequitur here. Let's uh, transition over to the NBA side, uh, talking playoffs. Uh, hey, Joe, guess Western... what happened in the NBA so far? Um, chalk? Everything we said. Everything we expected? So far. Yeah, but um, I'm, not, I'm not of the uh, – I'm not of the – I'm uninterested because the margins of victory have been 
so wide, so great. I, I'm still interested because it was amazing to watch what Steph Curry did the other night. Oh, it was absolutely. amazing to watch what LeBron James did last night. They're, the games are competitive. You're just not having those decisive moments, and I totally get that. Hopefully we'll get a few of those coming down the they stretch here. They tend to come later in the series. and Again, I'm, I'm like, yeah. I, the beginning of the series has kind of happened exactly like we've, we've thought it would. I think it's going to keep mm-hmm. going that way. I don't see Houston winning another game after that performance they put in the other night. Uh, but I do think Boston will probably win another game at home. And you know, watching LeBron and, and that team go at each other in games five, six, and seven should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that uh, I was in the house for game three, Warriors Rockets, and uh, that forty-one point loss by the Rockets, while uh, might look on the surface to be super discouraging, they called off the dogs about down twenty and like late third quarter and it just got out of hand. So I think it was D'Antoni resting his guys, realizing that, uh, that this one was over and um, it's still going to be a competitive series. I do think the Warriors win tonight at home. They've won 16 straight home playoff games, just broke the record set by the 91, 92 bulls. And uh, being in the building, they seem pretty unbeatable in that building. I was telling you before we got on the phone here that Oracle arena is an absolute hole. It's a dump, but it's all concrete and it's really poorly built to where like the lower bowl is set in. But then at the top of the lower bowl, it's there's minimal, minimal openings. So the sound is just bouncing in there and you can feel when, when Steph's coming up the court with a ball, when he's about to take a three, like a hush comes over the crowd every single time he puts up a three and it's an explosion every time it goes in and Mm -hmm. just the momentum that they can build in that building. They're pretty unbeatable there. Now, if they win tonight, get it to 3-1, can they take that momentum on the road with them? I I think that Houston's a really tough team at home as well. So uh, I'm not writing off Houston just yet. I I think they might be able to grab another one at home, but uh, the Warriors are looking to be the juggernaut that we've kind of billed them as over the last two seasons. Uh, They haven't even gone to a game six with with Kevin Durant. It's going to happen. I, yeah, I, Kevin, in the Kevin Durant era, the last two years, they have not seen a game six. So. With the Warriors up 3-1 on the road, I mean, James Harden has even started to – he didn't look like himself again in game three, and I feel like after getting – I think I don't think it's going to be all that close again in game four just because once the Warriors, like you said, kind of get rolling, they're a team that tends to feed off that, and the Rockets and, feed off and when the you, other way. When you get down, when you get down 12, 15 points, it's hard to iso ball your way back into a mm-hmm. game. Because and, and in watching them in person, it's really impressive to see what one guy can do on the court. But I think that the jig's up on that. You've kind of you've gamed that to where help side defense comes, and it's just Harden kind of aimlessly stumbling through the lane trying to get one up or get a foul. And he's super impressive in watching him do it, the way he handles the ball. But it, it, it's just not it's not a way to win a championship. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of built to do exactly what they've done and I, I think they're going to continue kind of down that path here golden states just kind of like we've said all year we we're a little bit worried about their health but kind of like we had guessed and hope they've gotten healthy all at the right time steph seemingly seemed to finally look like himself uh whether that's a cold streak or whether he was still bugged by it in you know games one and two after even the first mm-hmm. quarter of game three there he, he kind of bounced back and seemed to be himself again if he's himself and yeah. he's firing on all cylinders and, and clay thompson's doing what he's been doing Draymond, what had like 17, 18 rebounds, I think in game uh, game three it was. I, I just I don't see Houston being able to beat that team if that team's firing all cylinders like they have. Yeah, they played really well. They played really well defensively, and when you got Steph Curry going seven for seven in the third quarter, scoring eighteen points, there's no way you're going to beat that team. Kevin Durant, as you said too, silently doing his work. He's averaging like twenty nine point seven points per game in the playoffs. He has kept this team afloat in He's Steph's absence. Him. He is absolutely unguardable, and he can really create any shot he wants out on the court, and he demands so much attention that when you have shooters like Clay, Steph, and the likes of all those guys, it's really hard to to play one-on-one defense against a team like, like the Warriors. And KD, for as much as we make about, and I know I said it last week, as much as we make about LeBron James, Kevin Durant is silently building a Hall of Fame, and that's a foregone conclusion, but a historic top 15, top 10 type great career. This will be his, I believe his third trip to the finals. They went once with OKC, they lost. So he's one and one right now. He'll conceivably be two and one after this season with a long career ahead of him. And I I think that because of the... As long as this group's together, this run isn't going to stop. Yeah. 
and uh, the only thing that would change is if Clay doesn't want to take the pay cut and he jettisons somewhere, and I don't, I don't, I don't see, see that, that happening. happening. You know, he makes, he makes, he makes his money, and I think he's enjoying all these championships. And to get back to Durant, though, I think that he really enjoys the shadow of LeBron James and not having to be the league most recognizable face, that guy, just even the way he does his business, he's building a multi multi million dollar tech company and he's, he's got his hands and everything in Silicon Valley and he's doing it all under the radar because he doesn't have to be that guy. And I think that really lends to his personality. And um, I think we're just going to continue to see more great things out of Kevin Durant. Yeah. I, it, he's kind of locked into that. Like he seems like you said, the guy who doesn't want that, and he's probably going to be able to go throughout his career without ever having to be that. Because by the time LeBron's out, Durant will probably be what thirty. What what is he now? Durant, I want to say is 27 We got Google <laughs> in front of us right here. He's twenty nine years about? old. So five years 29. from now, he'll be thirty four. More towards the end of his career, and there will probably be another new up and coming younger guy who will have already taken the league by storm. Whether that's Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, or maybe Giannis has learned how to hit a jump shot. Who knows? One of those guys. Mm-hmm. But he'll probably have to be able to be on the backslide of his career where he can fall Lori? on that radar too. Maybe Lori some Martin. Lori action. <laughs> maybe whoever the Bulls take at number seven. I don't know. Um, oh, cool! There's a car alarm going off outside, so that's in the background now. Hey, we're a Chicago podcast. It's Chicago the soundtrack podcast. of the it's it the happens. soundtrack of the city, man. It's the soundtrack it. of the city. Um, oh goodness! But hey, congrats uh, to your Kings there getting the two picks. So it re- retroactive, yeah. I made fun of you for losing the coin toss to the Bulls, and mm-hmm. had the Bulls won lost then, the coin toss, the Bulls would be picking. Seven. Yeah, that's not that's not true though. They would have just had seven. they would have just had slightly less odds. It would have. Their ball so would have had to been have picked. This. Yeah, no, it's fine. You can have it. You can have it. But uh, yeah, the Kings uh, sitting at number two now. It looks like they're going to take whoever isn't taken in the eight and Doncic. Um, so if you're I mean, sweepstakes, if, if you will, if you're one uh, of those top two teams, are you? I mean, I'm sure they have. They can get a feel of what Doncic <clears> is thinking, but he said that he he's not sure he's going to come out or he's going to you know, be ready to come over to the NBA yet. He's coming. He's you coming. Think so? uh, you, I, you think this I know is a so. play to get? Oh, you know. No, so. I know so. Can you, I think uh, that can you I think that sources? he's been. Yeah, I think that it, my source is me, my brain. I oh. think that he's been with this Real Madrid basketball team. He signed that contract when he was 13 years yeah. old. He's been with this team now for six years. He's 19. Sunday was the culmination of six years of work. A uh, Euro League championship. He won the MVP. This is the biggest moment of his basketball career thus far. Mm-hmm. And the NBA world is completely trying to downplay it because the biggest moment is going to be him coming over here to play basketball in America. Yeah. And it will be the next biggest moment for him. But I think this is a similar situation of, you know, when a, when a college junior, like let's say a top quarterback prospect, hasn't made the decision yet whether or not he's coming out. It's the week before the national championship that he's playing. Mm -hmm. It's that situation. He wants to stay focused on the task at hand. He said after the EuroLeague championship, he said, I'm not going to make any decisions right now. I want to enjoy this with my team. My decision's coming soon. He already has his decision made. He's coming to the NBA. You don't think this is at all a ploy to try and get somebody else that a team he'd rather play for than one of those two to come up and get who would he rather play for other than one of his best friends and Bogdan Bogdanovich and one of the greatest European players of all time as his general manager in uh in not Pedro Stojakovic in um Vladi Divac and Pedro's the assistant general manager this is this is home for a European basketball player I love how the Kings have just gone back to like their front full office Euro. is just filled. No, their front full office Euro. is just filled with those teams that couldn't quite get over the hump against the Lakers. Oh yeah, no, were so Doug, much fun to watch. Doug Christie's in the broadcast booth. Chris Webber's big time now at TNT. You but all those guys Mike are. Uh, <laughs> you got to Bibby. Bibby was courtside at a couple games this really? year. He, well, we got to bring Jack him back. Got, Let's get him on the jacked court. out of his mind right now. Like bigger than like when he was playing. He's a monster right well, now. They got to convert. Um, they got to get Chris Webber to leave TNT and come on over. And come then they home. Hire Mike Bibby. But no, I, I really do think that – I think that coach. I think that Aiton is the best fit for the uh, for the Kings if they can somehow convince Phoenix to go a different way Phoenix at number one. Phoenix does have the connection with Doncic. Their new head coach is, is a bit uh, – he, he, he coached him. He coached him over yeah. there, and I know he likes him a lot, and they've even said they're – it's probably just being, you know, game there was the whatever, big, but they there said was a big thing when they trade him back. When they got the first overall pick, they put the accent over the eye in mm-hmm. Phoenix, uh, like Doncic, the accent over the eye in, in Doncic. So there was there was that storyline as well. So I think that Aiton would be the best 
fit for Sacramento and what they need here. But the NBA is all about guard play. If you do end up with Doncic yet too, I think you're in good shape because that's exactly why it, I think Phoenix might actually kind of shock mm-hmm. the world and go with Doncic because as good of a big man as you have, like we've seen with Carl Anthony Towns, if you don't, I mean, not so much this year, but his first couple of years in the league, if you don't really have like the guard play around you, you're not really going to go much farther than yeah. that. But needless to say, I think, like you said, Kings are in a pretty good position at two in whatever they in whatever they want to trade up. I think that those two. I think that the I think that the Kings are open to to like the right package. But the only things I've really heard is if the right package can be put around a guy like Kawhi Leonard, like a big name free agent that would really take the Kings. I'm not necessarily saying number two. I'm saying more oh. Bulls talk here, Joe. We are a Chicago sports, but I know you're out gotcha. I know you're in tune with your Kings, and I do appreciate the analysis because they are uh-huh. a fun team to watch there with De'Aaron Fox. And, but shifting back to the Windy City here, our, our beloved Bulls. What are they packaging? What are you what are well, you? Well, they have one. How, where do you think number seven and number 24 can get them? How, how high up do you think that can get them? In, you know, three picks, two picks? I don't know. Yeah, seven and 24 maybe get you, maybe get you into like – close to the top five, like you said, depending on who's on the board. But in this draft class, in looking at kind of the, the prospects that are there, everyone, all the experts are saying it's one, two, eight, and a Doncic, that there's a big drop-off through that seven or that three to ten area. And, and I, I think that moving what, up might not gain you. Three the Hawks? Atlanta, yes. If, if the Atlanta Hawks don't think highly of Mar- Marvin Bagley, Marvin Bagley. would take some sort of package around 124 and – I don't know, Bobby Portis or something like that. <laughs> you know, you laugh. Clinton Portis. Bobby Portis, but two first-round picks in Bobby Portis after what he did last Campaign. Year. You could do that. Uh, yeah. Bobby Portis is actually a, a reasonably – if they if they want to – if they're not high on Marvin Bagley, I'd happily do whatever they wanted to, to, to get that here. So it's it's just an arms race for European talent between Sacramento and Chicago is what you're saying. Marvin Bagley's not European. And, oh, you're just talking about trading up to three. I was Come thinking on, trading Joe. up to two. For, I, was, I was still thinking about trading up for two. Get your head in the game. Um, we have our European. It's Lowry. Yeah, but I, I really like Bagley. I really he was he was fun to watch throughout um, throughout March Madness, and I think that you know he's that kind of unicorn type six eleven can shoot it, can play in the post. Yeah, I but think people a front are really to him and Mark would be really nice. Yeah, and, and but and people are really worried about need the center, the true center. Anymore. Yeah, people are really worried about his defense, defending the pick and roll, and those are things that come with time and and, and being in the league for years and years. And uh, no, I think that uh, I think that you, you know, like you said, if they if they do think that highly of a Bagley at three or someone else, package those picks and move on up because you know that twenty fourth pick doesn't really do you much it's, good. The NBA, the NBA is a yeah, the NBA is a league where picks one through twenty is really all you're really worried about. Like if I you mean, if you're honestly, not in there to the point where like one through Certain drafts, it's one through ten. One through ten. <laughs> and yeah. After that, it's it's a crap yeah. shoot. But we'll see what they do. Which is really amazing with all the talent that's in the NBA right now. The fact that um, you know they're it's so so much of first, it. You know, they're not always no. The so much round. of it it's is, weird. but but it's not like even second round. I don't know. So much of it is just developmental guys mm-hmm. that uh, guys that in year six find something or something like that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, plenty to, plenty to watch on the NBA front, and uh, it's it should be a fun series of Cavs versus Warriors again, I think is what we're looking at. But uh, coming out of that Eastern Conference Finals, uh, LeBron looking tough. The Cavs on one night could look like world beaters, a team that could contend with Golden State. And on other nights, they look like they it's the first night that they're playing basketball together. So it'll be really interesting to see what they can do on the road against Boston tomorrow night. And uh, Boston now 9-0 and at home in the playoffs. So if they can steal one on the road, I think that uh, Cleveland's back in back in the driver's seat here. Yeah, no, definitely. If they, I think if Cleveland wins, what's it? They're probably playing like a week from now because the NBA likes taking so much time off in between games, especially when they mm-hmm. travel. So uh, yeah, if Cleveland takes that game five, I think the series is absolutely over in game six. I don't think game six will be all that close. Well, Matt, we were talking. Uh, we were talking a little bit of NBA draft sweepstakes. Let's talk some MLB sweepstakes. The Manny Machado arms race has has begun in sorts. I guess he kind of shot down all the ideas of free agency talk uh, this week because he was in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs want him. The Sox want him. Where's he landing after the season? Or is he signing a big one with the O's? He's not going to sign a big one with the O's because at this point, it's not like. The O's are bad this year, but it's not like they're a team like the Sox or, or you know the Padres, something like that, where they got a bunch of young talent like waiting in the wings, waiting to come up. They're a team that's before the Sox got bad, and they don't really have much coming up. They're kind of in the mode where they need to start. Selling. Limbo. The yeah. Orioles, 
why they didn't trade him in the offseason to me is just if you had teams willing to give you a top two top prospects for Manny Machado or a top prospect and you know another pretty good one for one year of a guy when Machado wasn't even you know wouldn't guarantee an extension you didn't take that deal knowing yep. he's not coming back here you're just it's idiotic yeah, and just getting they, no no return for one of the biggest yeah, names in the game. He's going to if they don't move, his value is diminishing every day now. I mean, now you're you're not going to get likely the same thing you would have, you know, gotten if you wanted to trade him in the winter meetings, whatever. Uh, and, and I think that was it was a bad move. I'm not really sure where he ends up. Uh, my my guess is it's not in the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a team like either the Dodgers who are struggling this year and might you know I know Corey Seager is kind of set there at short, but. You never know where you can kind of move people around. They're going to have a lot of money to spend, and they they might not make the playoffs this year, so they're probably going to be looking to make a big splash. Or I mean, you, you can't write off the Yankees at this point either. Never can write off the Yanks. As scary and I think as the that, lineup is, it could get that much better. I think that Cubs fans are still uh, are still really locked into the Bryce Harper uh, sweepstakes that's going to go on, and I don't know how realistic that is, but I think that Manny Machado. Is is a deterrent to the Bryce Harper storyline. Oh, yeah. So I think that I think that Cubs fans are still very much uh, locked in on that one. So if it if Machado was to come to Chicago, it wouldn't surprise me if it was on the South side. No, that's it. The Cubs might actually pull off this trade for him and and might have him as a rental. And you know he's not going to mm-hmm. agree to the extension. He, he wants to test free agency. I believe he's a, he's a Scott Boris guy too. So Boris won't let him. We love free agency. We do love free agency. <laughs> so I, maybe the Cubs do think it's worth the risk to try and you know win him over now and then say get him to want to come back here. But that Addison Russell and they're saying their top pitching prospect are, are going to be the is, and probably one more throw-in type is the price. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they're going to want to do that for a rental. Um, and if they do yep. do that for rental and Manny Machado goes elsewhere, they they better win the World Series this year. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would definitely be an all-in move there. Um, speaking of all-in moves uh, on the south side, kind of in the opposite direction, with Abreu finding his stride. Matt, you proposed to me here in our uh, in our pre-production meeting. Uh, what are the odds that uh, that the Sox ship Jose Abreu? And it just pissed me off that you even brought that up because. You know, you talked about it, the, the Orioles not being in the situation that the Sox, the mm-hmm. Orioles being in the situation that the Sox were about two, three years ago. Yeah. The Sox aren't in that position anymore. If they entertain the idea of selling the guy that they were essentially building this team around, uh, it would be like, it'd be like Chris Sale all over again and you're just spinning on the hamster wheel, you know? It, it, and I, I understand it's different to move an arm for pieces than it is to move a bat for pieces, but... I don't think they should be in the business of moving for pieces right now. No, I, I'm with you, and I, I'm, I'm actually I agree on this standpoint. I'm, I've had this question posed to me by a couple different family members the last couple of days. So I thought it was at least a pretty good talking point. I'm, I'm listening on anything still at this point. I think we've said this is kind of the last year where where the Sox should still be in. You know, we're listening on everything mode. And if somebody wants to come away, you know, blow me away with an offer for Jose Abreu, including you know multiple top prospects including one that's pretty much ready to come up now not guys who are you know top prospects still in single and double a like you're talking about mlb ready type top prospects yeah now. sure but at the same for time, 12 year olds he is he is the face of the franchise obviously right now he is a guy who's while 31 isn't young he's still when this team hopefully gets you know is trying to be good in two three years he's still going to be a very productive player and he's he's a huge leader in that clubhouse uh especially a young farm system that's built of a lot of Latin players who are coming up, mm-hmm. you know, who are going to relate to a guy like that. I know Johan Moncada, when he first came up here, was you know said he saw Abreu as you know, an older brother type. You know, I think Abreu even picked up Mi gente. from the airport. There you go. I forgot my <laughs> Spanish. Um, but like that, he is he's a role model. He's kind of a leader in that club. Absolutely, I think he's, he's that goes a long a way. Guy, and it, it's there's still not that established guy in that clubhouse where you can, I think, afford it. Unless somebody comes and absolutely blows you away with an offer that you, you know, offer is put on your table that you just cannot say no to. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that offer is right now. I'm not even going to get, but it, it, it's obviously one, you know, when you saw it, unless that offer comes, I, I don't think you move him. I think you have him planted as the three hitter in your lineup for the next, you know, five, six, you know, probably three, four or five years. Yeah. I, I lean with you there as well. I don't think that there should be a, any major changes made there uh, on the north side? Going to be an exciting night on Sunday night. Sunday night baseball. 
A-Rod singing the seventh inning stretch. It's just going to be an electric scene Is at Tom Wrigley Rickets Field. No? I don't know. But but don't yet him. don't tell him. yet uh, Sammy Sosa still in the in the black ball book uh, of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, does any of this make sense to you? I, I don't really the understand. Only thing, I mean, I guess did A Rod actually say the words "I use steroids" or did he just basically? He didn't have to. Did he I say think it he without did. saying it? There was that picture of him like kissing the mirror, and that's all I needed to see. I don't even know what you're talking about. You don't remember that one? No. It's him like it's him face to face with the mirror, kissing the mirror. Google it. It's it's okay. pretty atrocious. Well, you, t- you talk while I'm googling then. Okay. Um. Well, needless to say, we're gonna see if uh, if A Rod can uh, can stay on key and uh, remember the words that take me out to the ball game, which in front of uh, thousands isn't the easiest thing to do, is what I'm told. Oh God, that is weird. Yeah, right. That's uh, you don't need why, to say. Why would that's you do this? Steroid brain. That's steroid I brain right there, kissing a mirror. Yeah. Um, All right, we're we're calling in a full for, uh, photography crew. I'm going to kiss this mirror for two hours. You guys get the shot. You would be the guy to do that. I assume that's how it went down. No, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Sure if I got a, if I got a photography crew for two hours, we'd do more with it. But, but uh, no, I mean, you're obviously <laughs> not in tune with you know as much talked about in Chicago as I am. But that's mm-hmm. that Sosa topic was massive uh probably oh yeah when cap when cap Cap had had to sit down out there and i mean it just i know they don't need him at this point but he also doesn't really want anything from them other than hey i just kind of want to go back and you know wave at the crowd and run to right field and come back i don't see what it harms even if he was on steroids like at the same time he made a lot of people happy he's literally that franchise reason that franchise was at all relevant for a good five-year period there and From it's not eight to oh three. He used the reason they were relevant until they got good in oh three. It's not a knock on. It's not a knock on the franchise. No. It's not a knock on this management. If you bring them back, if anything, it's a positive. You're not associating yourself with steroid usage by bringing back Sammy Sosa. I was at the giant. I was at Giants opening day. They brought Barry Bonds out. He got the biggest ovation of the day. Willie Mays was there. McCovey was there. All those guys were there. They said Barry Bonds' name, and the place exploded. Like there's not. It, it's in the past. It's it was what it was. We know the guys that were doing it. We we don't know all the guys that were doing it because a lot more guys were doing it. A lot of guys got away with it. Mm-hmm. We know the big names that did it, and it's in the past. That's part of baseball history. We can have the Hall of Fame discussion another day, but you can't by not acknowledging these guys as an organization. You're not doing anything to yeah, retroactively this, fix this, a plus, problem. This whole thing would go away. This whole storyline. This negative. I mean, you probably feel it out there. I, when was the last time the Cubs had any net bit of negative publicity come out towards them at all? I mean, they're the most, like, I feel like they're one of the more, like, shining light franchises type in, in all of baseball. The only time that anything... You know you know when it was. Is you know Sam. when it was. It was the rooftop owners. They got a raw deal there. They yeah, got a exactly. raw deal with the rooftop owners. It was I'm, that. I'm going to tell you. They got they got screwed there. They got they they took advantage of them, and it was unfair what the Ricketts did to those rooftop owners. Yeah, how's that Polish sausage you got over there? It's Jim from Elmwood Park calling in. Thanks, Jim. We appreciate your call. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, like you, you make a good point. You make a good point. So just say, here's what you're going to do. One day next, you know, next year in the middle of August when you're playing. I don't even know. So the Padres at home, just have him come out right field, Sammy Sosa day on a, on a Sunday afternoon. He runs out to right. He runs back. He goes back to Miami. You never have to see him, talk to him, honor him, do anything with Sammy. It lays the whole thing to rest. It lays the whole thing to rest. It's just done. We don't have to talk about it anymore. I don't have to see his weird looking face anymore. Stop, Matt. That's not nice. It's kind of, why'd you, it's why'd you have to make it about his pork face? Why'd you have to do it's, that? It's true. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that's that's all the Sammy talk. That's all the time we have for Sammy today on the podcast. Matt, uh, why don't you hit the music? I got a grievance. All right. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 
All right, we'll keep this short and sweet, but my grievance is with referees across all leagues. And we're going to focus on the NBA and the NHL right now because they're in the spotlight. Uh, These players all raise their level of play when you get to the playoffs. There is a different type of jump in hockey players. There is a different type of performance in NBA players. All I'm asking is that the officiating raises their level accordingly. We've seen a lot of questionable calls, and we always do. These are supreme athletes moving at a mile a minute, and it's hard to referee these games. And I don't think I think it goes without saying how difficult it is for these guys in real time to make these calls. But you're supposed to be the best of the best also. We've seen so much inconsistency in both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals in the NBA when it comes to officiating. Something needs to be done. There have been some questionable calls and no calls in the NHL playoffs. I saw a couple trippings last night that went uncalled. Earlier on in a couple series, I saw a phantom goalie interference call. I saw a goalie interference that wasn't called. There are, in certain instances, there's review in place to get these things right, and they're still getting them wrong. I really think there needs to be a comprehensive review of officiating in all leagues to figure out how we can make this thing more consistent because we're talking about championships, we're talking about millions of dollars, we're talking about big business, and there is still a somewhat amateur level of officiating going on in these major moments. And it just bothers me to see that sort of inconsistency. If you're going to call the game one way, good. Be consistent. That's all I'm really asking on both fronts in the NHL and the NBA. Well said, Joe. I don't really have much more to add on that as much as I'd like to. So Uh, get it right, Stripes. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah, even though the NBA Uh, refs don't really wear stripes anymore. I can't wait to yell at like a 15-year-old like umpire, like volunteer umpire at my kid's baseball game. Just like just chew them out for balls and strikes from six feet behind, like right, like hanging on the fence, like six feet behind them. Get tossed out of Lin- get tossed out of Limburg Limburg Park. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good be a stuff. Deep at that point, or what's in my Yeti cooler is none of your business. Okay, that's true. That's fair. That's fair. It's, it's none of your business. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what should we jump into here? Uh, you want to do mailbag or buy or sell? Let's do buy or sell. Okay, you go first. All right, Joe, buy or sell. Uh, the Minnesota Wild just hired Paul Fenton as their new general manager. What do you think about that? Buy. Buy in the hire? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, buy or sell. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said he wants to play with the Packers through age 40. Buy, buy or sell. Aaron Rodgers is a Green Bay Packer through age 40. I'm going to sell. Um, I'm going to sell on that just because we saw – what ownership, uh, and I don't know what's changed within the structure of the organization, whether it be general manager or whoever it may be. I'm going to sell it just because we saw what happened to Brett Favre. And if there is another Aaron Rodgers behind Aaron Rodgers, you can only look to precedent to see what's going to happen. And the precedent set, the precedent has been set in the fact that, you know, if the heir apparent is there and we think that he's going to be more productive then we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to say thank you for your time and uh, we'll, we'll see you at the Hall of Fame induction, that sort of thing, the way they did it with Favre. And that's not just the Packers, though. That's the way things go around the league. Pat, you see uh, one of the most productive guys over the last half decade in Alex Smith get shipped off for a younger, maybe more talented, higher ceiling guy in Pat Mahomes. We saw it happen with Brady and Bledsoe. We're, we're seeing it almost happen with Garoppolo and Brady, and then things break down or whatever the situation may be. But it, you're always looking to cover your franchise from a management point for the next five years, for the next 10 years. And if you don't see that longevity in your guy and you have to say thanks for playing to a legend, the Green Bay Packers and many, many others across the league aren't hesitant to do that. So that's what I'm selling. Yeah, I, everything you said made sense. I'm still going to buy it because I just – you still have to find that next Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. that's that's a lot more difficult than, you know, you kind of made it sound there. Uh, yeah, but no, you don't, you, you still, you don't have to, no, you don't I, have to find the next Aaron Rodgers. You have to, you find, have to the find the, the guy Aaron. who you think. Yes. No, you have to find the guy who you think is the next Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but it's again, it's I, I'm not – Look, if he's not there, if he's playing, if he has a Brett Favre, not I don't think he's going to bounce around three teams in three years or whatever it was. If he's playing somewhere else, is it going to shock me? No, but I still think he has a little bit of a different field, and he is so incredibly good. And this league has gone to so mm-hmm. much lengths to be even more quarterback driven, more quarterback desperate. 
that if that team, and as far as I'm concerned, because they always are, the Packers are always going to have a team that's going to be somewhat ready to win and can compete. It's really hard to let go of that guy that you know is that known commodity, even now with, with quarterbacks playing through age you know, 37, 38, those primes being extended a little bit. Um, I still think you might see him around kind of like Drew Brees uh, out in New Orleans. He's going to be 40. He just signed a, what was a two-year deal, I think it was. He's out there. I, I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers kind of continually. He's going to sign one big, you know, probably all guaranteed five-year extension and then probably be on one-year deals through mm-hmm. until he's kind of done. And now A-Rodge, though, for as much as I hate to admit it, I love watching the guy play football and the way he operates in the pocket, outside of the pocket, on the move, the way he can – flick the ball out and just do amazing things. I'm going to really be watching him in the first five weeks of this season because yes, he did come back from the collarbone to play, but then once the season was over, they put him on ice. I want to see if it's all still there and I expect it to be, but this is now his second collarbone injury. The first one to his throwing shoulder to his throwing arm. It's going to be interesting to see if every tool is still in the bag. And if it's not, and you're starting to see a little bit of a regression, a little bit of a step backwards, that even more supports the idea of going to find the heir apparent. So uh, it should be interesting to see if if full A-Rod is in mode. I'm a little bit more interested to see how he recovers mentally from the beating that the Bears give them on Sunday Night Football. And, and week Bears. 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 Packers. Packers. Negative tree. So uh, it should be a fun one week one. Hopefully the Bears can come out and uh, start the Matt Nagy era on the right note. I'm already getting jacked up for it. It's Mitch's coming out party. All righty. Matt, buy or sell. ESPN, well, I got to establish first. ESPN, sorry. um, ESPN just released their top 100 list for, I believe, I don't know if it's the most influential. It's the world fame 100. So the most famous athletes throughout the world. Top 100 rankings, Cristiano Ronaldo coming in at number one, LeBron James coming in at number two. We don't get a football player until 38, one Thomas Brady Esquire, JD, MD, uh, comes in at number 30, comes in at number 38. He's only one of seven guys, seven football players on the list. There's one baseball player on the list. Obviously, this is a worldwide list here. A lot of soccer players, a lot of bigger names, a lot of NBA players, but Derek Rose is coming in at number 36, Tom Brady at number 38 in the world's fame 100 athlete ranking. Buy yourself Tom Brady's ranking. Tom Brady, I think I even have to, I have to sell that, right? I mean, he's... Yeah, I don't he's, think you have a choice. Not only is, it, like, is he the greatest football player probably to ever play, but like his reach, sells extends, yeah, his reach extends so far beyond that, like who he's married to and all his endorsements yeah. and all that stuff. I... I don't know how they did this, and again, we've touched on these lists before. This is this is probably another one of those like, hey, let's just throw some outrageous names and rankings out there and see if we can't get people talking about it. Demand a recount. Yeah, but I don't I don't know what they counted, um, but I <laughs> do as well. I this is just it's an odd list. I, I find it hard to believe like that. I, I, there are cricket players who are, you know, they, they have multiple cricket players and not they only have one baseball player. I find that a little bit hard to believe. Like mm-hmm. Ichiro's not on the list. I feel like that is someone who's, even though he's not very good anymore, if we're talking about influential, whatever, popular athletes, I don't think there was one that kind of expanded, you know, two different countries there that kind of brought them together popularity-wise. Shohei Otani's kind of the same way. I don't know. It's a little bit weird of a list that I have like seven swimmers four cricket players, about 100 soccer players. I know it's only a list of 100, but it feels like it. Uh, there's like eight tennis players. It's just, it, it's an odd list. I don't really get it. Yeah, looked a little bit out of place to me as well, Matt. Uh, well, with uh, with our increased mailbag here, we're going to say goodbye to buy or sell for the, for the week. Uh, it, was a, it was a good one. It was a good one, but why don't we uh, hit, the, hit the bag a little bit here? All right. You got the question or do I got the question? You got the question. Oh, You're the mailbag guy. I, I forget. I forget these things. Um, we got a, a, a tweet question, Joe, from uh, from our friend Chris Sims, loyal listener to the podcast. Chris can't swims. Yeah. Follow. He's follow. Great follow. Fantastic stuff there. Uh, a lot of memes. Um, he's he's buying some new golf clubs this summer. Wants to wants to get a new Ooh. set of sticks, and he he just said that that was that was the general advice. Didn't ask for a specific question. Just said, hey. I'm buying some new golf clubs. How do I go about this? I said, you buying irons or woods? He said, I don't know. You tell me. So, <laughs> Well, if that's the case, if he doesn't know if he's buying irons or woods, 
they figure that out first. Maybe, um, maybe it's both. Maybe you're looking at both. Who knows? I'm I'm a brand loyal guy, you? so you got to figure out you got to figure out what works for you. So I guess my my one piece of advice: head over to PGA Superstore or to a local course that has a fitting pro because this is an investment. It's going to cost you a lot of money. And I mean, I've had my, my, my woods rotate in and out a little bit, but I've had my irons now for about seven years and okay. irons will last you. If you got a pair that fits well, you, yeah, you that fitted correctly, you got Mizuno. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tailor made on the woods. I'm Mizuno on the irons and I'm Titleist for my wedges and putter, uh, Scotty, obviously, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta become brand loyal. You, you gotta find a brand that works for you. And I don't think I'll, I don't. I mean, unless I try something one day and it just works out. But uh, I'm loyal to those tailor-made woods and to the Mizuno irons, and you just got to find something that feels good. Um, I assume you're looking for a more forgiving club on on all account on all accounts. So whether it be a cavity back or an AP, like I so badly wanted to be a Titleist guy, but I couldn't hit the AP twos. I just couldn't hit them. And uh, it's got to be what works for you. Similar to what Joe said. Go to PGA Tour Superstore. Go to a golf store somewhere that's going to help you fit. PGA Tour Superstore is probably your best bet because they'll have a, a bunch of different options. Probably a bunch of different people there can help. Just kind of be up front. Get them say, in the hey, simulator. Yeah. Hey, I'm just kind of new, just kind of getting started. I kind of want to. I, I'm, I'm looking at some new clubs. Can I try some out? They'll, they'll let you hit a few. They'll some some places even let you take demos out to the range and you kind of feel around what you like there. Don't buy anything without hitting it. I would say get you know a couple different options. See what feels the best and. I know Joe said he is brand loyal and all that, but especially if you're starting out early on, don't worry about what name is on that golf club. If, if the person who's lending you the demos says it's a good golf club and you like the way it feels, it doesn't matter if it says Titleist or, or Mizuno or Puma or Tommy Kata, Armour. Uh, what a, you know what? My dad played Tommy Armour irons, I think, for like hey. a while, and they, they lasted. They, 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 they believe my they first set of clubs was a Michael, Joy, Michael Jordan Jr. set. There so. you go. Um, so whatever's whatever's going to get you into the game. Don't worry about the name as much. Maybe when you get a little bit farther advanced and maybe buying, you know, you're, you're to Joe, you know, Joe's type level of golfer, then you can get a little more brand loyal. But hit whatever you think feels the best, whatever you like, whatever uh, whatever you're comfortable you know, with on, on the uh, on the Ranger in the simulator. And, and don't be afraid to go ask you know salesman people for help and just say, hey, what do I do here, guy? I'm new to this. Thank you. Yeah, you know, le- definitely lean on those lean on those fitters. But uh, thank you to Chris for sending this question in because it just jogged my memory of when my love affair began with, with the Mizuno irons. And it actually Actually, was at, I remember talking to you about this when you bought new irons. I think we discussed this like six or seven. What was the, what was the driving range that we would go to in, uh, in Bloomington with the off track betting next to it? Um, Uh, swingers, swingers. Yeah. Yeah. With the, the elevated, uh, they had a bunch of a couple different levels. Yeah. It was at Swingers. I had just lost uh, just lost a pocket full of money, putting putting in a couple bets. So we went to hit some balls. I had a couple beers in me. I was like, I'm getting new irons, and the guy let me demo the Mizunos, and the rest is history, Matt. I, I'm a Nike Hosel so Hosel Rocket out. history. Yeah, you got a Nike iron, but you got a de- you got a decision to make. See, I love those Nike irons. I I they, but they're also they're they're I think they're seven or eight slingshots so or what are they called? Uh, no, they're the the VR sling the, blades. I think they're the VR twos, Victory Red. Yeah. back back when that was their their thing. Um, but I I absolutely love them, and I really upset that they discontinued them because I I absolutely love their irons, and I have a I have a Nike three and a five wood. I don't have the driver. I have the three and the five wood. And I like those a lot too. I don't well, know wherever, what you do when it comes time for new stuff. Just wherever this golf journey takes you, Matt, you keep those in the garage because those are collector's items now. Well, yeah, but <laughs> might have to when the game goes bad one summer, you just bring them back into play. Bring back you the gotta old ones. You gotta, gotta, gotta have the backup set. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Billy Baru, old I, Billy Baru. I've been trying to my, my my dad and my brother have been trying to convince me for this entire summer now to get some new irons, and I'm just I'm not I'm not budging. I, I like the time is now. I can't let go. Of it. It's only the been time six, is it's now, only been seven years, Joe. <laughs> Hit me with the next mailbag. All right. Um, so we were discussing how to phrase this one. That uh, was a little bit more difficult. But basically, name an athlete on one of your favorite teams. I got this from uh, I, I believe my friend Nick Varchetto's little brother Mike was the one who brought this up to me. But uh, na- name a player. Uh, from one of your favorite teams that you wish basically – how would you phrase it, Joe? You, you got it written down there, right? It was it was a player that you wish was a lifer with your team. You so go. whether he was whether he was on another team and got traded to the team 
or was on the team and then got traded after just a guy who you wish his entire career was with your team. Uh, he had to have spent a yeah, little spent bit of time, time with that, that team, team though. Yes. Can't be just pick a player. But, uh, the first names that came to mind for me were Jim Tomey, Sammy Sosa, and AJ Pruszynski. And I know all White Sox in that vein, but I think all three of those guys would have been fun to have full careers, especially AJ. Just, you know, everyone hated AJ unless he was in your in your clubhouse, and he took that to San Francisco. He had that in Chicago, and um, he would have been a great lifer. We were been a great about lifer. how, like, early, we both, both White Sox, I think, guys came to our mind right away. And mm-hmm. I think both of us like, well, we got to come up with different whites, you know, different than just the White Sox. But it kind of brings you back to all the guys that Kenny Williams brought on board, like towards yeah. the end of their career. Not necessarily Tommy and Przinsky. They were kind of right. Griffey. That was Griffey actually been, mine. You stole yeah, mine. Ken Griffey. Griffey would have been an awesome Ken one. Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. in a White Sox uniform his entire career. Also Manny Ramirez. People forget hey, you make that. A great, Roberto you make a great Alomar. Point. People forget that. <laughs> <David> <laughs> you make Wells, a great point, Bartolo though, man. Colon. Just the management style of Kenny Williams really lends to this question. He's like gonna go picking up the- picking up legends late. That's that type of thing. All these guys were like waiver wire deals too. It wasn't like actually July thirty first trades. So many. I also were the post waiver wire deals. My mind also went to, and I know he didn't necessarily fit the cap space or the mold of what they were trying to do, but. In seeing what he's done just these last couple postseasons, it would have been fun to just watch Big Buff grow as as a Blackhawk. It really would have been fun to watch him play as a Hawk over this this last decade. I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine here, and people might not even remember that he spent time with the Blackhawks. Mark Grace. Dominic Hasek. Yeah, I don't remember Hasek on the Hawks. He he started his career with the Blackhawks. He was, I believe – at least one, maybe two years, kind of as their backup. They had a decision to make between him and Eddie Belfour, and Eddie Belfour had a fantastic Hall of Fame career with the with the Hawks. So it's not like they necessarily made the wrong choice. But Dominic mm-hmm. Kashuk went on to be, you know, the best goalie in the league for a while. Won a couple MVPs and then won a couple cups, I believe, with Detroit. As How well. about a bear? Who's that a who's a bear? You? Well, Cutler, obviously. Yeah, no, know. Julius Peppers I think uh, the was, was one that Peppers would have been great. To me. Uh, Jared Peppers. Allen, that would have been a lot of fun. Peppers, Jared Allen. As much as he was toxic for the room, I Brandon Marshall Brandon is Marshall would have been good. a Hall of Fame wide receiver. If you could have just it's, somehow wrangled that personality, I mean, he's got the most consecutive thousand yard receiving seasons in the history of the game. It's pretty recent, but honestly, Alshon Jeffrey would have liked to have your person. Yeah, I just uh, he. It didn't not fit. To bring it didn't up work here. Lines. I get it. I get why they they, you know, they let him walk yeah. on that. But that was a. Um, and we can't neglect that we can't neglect the, the Cubbies. Who's, who's a Cubby would have liked to see spend his entire career? I'm cool. trying to think of a guy I, who I maybe had a flash in the pan with I the Cubs. Moises Alou had a fantastic career, uh, and I think yeah. he spent you know, a couple years there with the Cubs. Um, th- there's not there's not a ton that come. It's probably Ooh, sleeper the- sleeper White Sox pick Aaron Rowan. I would have loved yeah. to watch. He was just fun to watch. And then he went to the Phillies and was yeah, still running in the walls. Get, if you had Aaron Rowan for his career, you wouldn't have had Jim Tomey. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, well, we're, we're playing hypotheticals here. Shot now. down. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Are there bulls or anything we're missing? So there has A to be bull. somebody. D-Rose, if you could have kept him healthy, that would have been great. Yeah, that's, um, that's problematic. Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver is having a fantastic postseason. He has for the last couple of years. Tibbs always hated him because of the matchups. Tibbs Tibbs didn't like him defensively. Well, you just traded away one of the premier three-point shooters in the history of the game because he couldn't play defense. It's not a league predicated on defense, so sorry about it, Tibbs. But I would have loved to see Corver for a nice 13 years in in a Chicago Bulls uniform. Yeah, the Bulls, they're another team, though. No stars or whatever really stick. I'm probably missing a big one. Luol. Elton Brand would have been a fun one. He had a fantastic mm. career, and I think they what got Tyson Chandler out of him. I was going to say Tyson Chandler's career got better post Bulls, though. Too, I think Seems that to be a I think that a, a de- I think that a developed Tyson Chandler would have been fun. Um, the, his years with the Mavs and there were the years with the I think he was with the Knicks for a little while, and mm-hmm. he was definitely more productive after the Bulls era. So, um, but a, a fantastic question. Thank you for Dwayne taking us down memory, Dwayne Wade. They, yeah, People Dwayne Wade. He played for the Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> like 12 minutes um, if that and people also forget that I was the reason he got traded away from the Bulls so it's whatever go on 
Oh no, I, I was with him the day before he got the news. Not I was with him, with but well, he was at. They were at the at? They were at the Nebraska game. Oh yeah, you, you, you can jump chilling, jump on my Twitter together. at at Joey Moose. I got a nice picture with the with Gabs and D Wade. You know, just talking, just talking Chicago stuff. You know, just talking, just just a couple Chicago kids. Yeah. Just, just spitballing. Yeah. The next day, he got the call that uh, he was heading back to Cleveland. So that was uh, that was my fault. Oh, Sorry, guys. That also didn't last very long. That old Cleveland. No, thing. no, no. Uh, but uh, thank you to our listeners, as always, for sending in our mailbag questions. We want to do more mailbag. We really enjoy uh, digging into some fun topics that you guys shoot our way. So thank you to our uh, chats and to Chris Chris Sims. There, uh, we, we appreciate you guys for sending us a mailbag. Tweet us more mailbag questions at Moose and Runes. We really appreciate we love the. The engagement, and yeah, we want to make this thing more mailbag-centric, uh, but that's uh, that's on you guys, so step it up. Step it up. Yeah, huh? we like food-related questions, too. Those step are it, yeah, it doesn't have to be food-related, but we, but we, prefer, we prefer food-related. <laughs> food, fashion, and uh, nostalgic Chicago storylines. That's really oh, what we're God. looking for. If we could do Matt, a podcast uh, just on that, I'd be happy. That, that, I think that's the name of the podcast, too. Food, fashion, and Chicago storylines. Yeah, food, fa- uh, we'll work on it. It's, it's a, a working, working title. title. It's a working title. Matt, why don't you shut us down? Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, Joe, I'm going to shut things down. Um, this is... It's tough. It, it was something we already knew was coming and basically already had, but uh, it was made official, I believe, over the weekend that Marion Hosa will never be coming back. He will not be playing hockey again. He confirmed it to a, a Slovakian newspaper out there. I'm not even going to try and guess what the name is because I don't speak Slovakian. But uh, th- this one was a tough one for me. Uh, Marion Hosa, talk, we just talked about you know guys who you wish were lifers with the franchise this would have been a great one, but it seems like he was already a life yeah. after after coming over here. Probably I don't I don't not sure it's debatable. The best free agent pickup in the history of Chicago sports, winning three cups in six years and really being the reason that team got over the got over the uh, the hump. Uh, you saw how much they missed him this year, even at age thirty eight. Uh, you know he was a twenty five goal scorer and one of the best two way forwards to, to ever play hockey. Um, it's tough, man. I don't, I don't know what more. He, he brought out the best in a lot of players. He clearly brought out the best in Jonathan Taves a, a lot. And he's a guy who probably deserved a lot more recognition. Uh, Taves even admitted, you know, Taves was always the guy up to the Selkie Award, which is the best you know, defensive forward in the NHL on a yearly basis. But he's even said, you know, Hosts is probably the reason that, you know, he, he won a lot of those and got a lot of consideration for it. But uh, a, a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the more fun players to ever watch play hockey is done for good. Uh, I still remember the first time I, I watched him play after he signed that one-year deal with the Red Wings. Uh, I was at a game. It was the Hawks and the Wings. It was 09 before, you know, the, the Hawks. Was it the game that he ripped the slap shot yes. to win? In, in, in the shootout. I was at the game, I'll too. never forget In the shootout. End of the shootout from the dots. From the, <laughs> from the hash marks on the dot there, just wound up a little half slap. And, you know, Lord knows we saw enough of those on our side <laughs> in the years to come where he iced it, but I'll never forget. That was the most dejecting moment. <laughs> I'll never forget watching him throughout that game because that was still relatively early in the season, if I remember right. You know, Hosa signing that one-year deal with the Red Wings was the huge, you know, deal of the summer. He he turned down all that money to go try and win a cup. And I, I kind of was, was drawn to him. And that's kind of when I realized how good of a hockey player, not just a offensive machine but a two-way you know two-way hockey player can do it all and then that that slap shot came I was like oh my god and then <laughs> I, a monster. I remember them signing him I still remember where I was I was on the driving range in Cog Hill when I got that uh, that notification and uh, it was it's, it's saying goodbye to a legend even though we kind of already did but now it's official and uh, the Hawks will probably try and trade that contract now that he's officially done they should be able to uh, it'll help a little bit but uh, Marion Hosa is is done and it's sad yeah, it definitely it definitely is, and uh, glad that we got, like you said, the best years of one of the premier hockey players in, in recent memory. And he was so much fun to watch. I'll never forget him sliding across the ice, game five after netting the game winner against Nashville I'm, I'm in 2010. I'm literally looking at a picture that's it's framed in our apartment. It is a, yeah. that exact picture. It is Marion Hosting yeah. on his knees sliding with his gloves. We have that up and framed in the apartment. Those are, those are moments that uh, are forever 
you know, forever engraved into Chicago sports history. And we're so lucky that uh, Marion Hosa could have been a part of it. Obviously not the ending of the career that he deserved or we would have wanted for him. But uh, I- I'm sure that we the Blackhawks will do. Yeah, I'm sure the Blackhawks will do everything in their power to make sure that he's sent right. off in proper he, fashion. I believe he's already discussed a role, you know, with the with the front office going forward to some extent. Yeah. Um, some people have said they can see him getting into coaching in the future. I'm not sure if that will be here or somewhere else. Who knows? Well, Matt, uh, go on. Go ahead. No, no, no. no I was, I was just gonna say he's he's the true definition. He's a player who started his career one way as kind of a pure scorer and translated his game to do whatever it could to extend his career and kind of be that ultimate team player and keep himself one longer. He could have kept being that offensive guy, you know, flamed mm-hmm. out at age 32, 33, but he kind of altered his game and, and changed the way he did things so he could, A, win cups, and B, play till he was 38. So here's to you, host. We can't let this thing end on such a morose note like that. So, Matt, I'm going to leave you with this. 100 days till college football kickoff. You just you. Yeah, see, you see that? You see, see what I did chills. there? I, I turned your whole day around. I turned your whole day around, and I hope I turned all of our listeners' day around with that one. Moose and Rose listeners, uh, we I appreciate you guys. I bought the tickets today with my dad, went over to the office. Let's we go. Out, yeah, we picked out the tickets for uh, for next season. I'm ready to go. Let's Fire go. Up. Anything, uh, I'm, uh, I'm heading heading to San Jose for, uh, for a 49ers event tomorrow. Uh, anything you want me to pass along to McGlinchey? Say hello? Uh, Any... No. No, I don't no? So. no? No messages? All right. Just, all right. Uh, no, I it's deep, just do them right. The spot here, yeah. Just, just do them right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you think about it. You text me. You got my number. I'll text so, you. Yeah, so, we'll talk. Yeah, you just get in touch. Get in touch. Moose and Runes listeners, we appreciate you guys. That's going to do it for episode 57. As always, like it, share it, post it, bop it, twist it, whatever you can do. We appreciate it. Send us those mailbag questions because, like we said, we really enjoy those. Want to get more of those into the show, and uh, we appreciate your guys' engagement as always. That'll do it for the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 57. For Matt, I'm Joe. Have a good one. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.